Greetings from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one, crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make every great path straight. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our last broadcast, we defined and described what faith is. We noted that faith is not just believing anything. We said faith is not imagining what you want and then meditating on it long enough so that it will come to you. We also noted that faith is not about believing Jesus to save you from hardship on the earth. Because like we had said in some other uh, broadcasts before there, suffering or hardship sometimes is actually the will of God for you and is a part of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what really is faith? We said it is having a conviction or a full persuasion, that is to be fully persuaded that God is who he says he is in the Bible. The Bible or the word of God is actually the basis on which we hook our faith. So it is what God says about himself in the Bible that we believe, that we have a full conviction about. That is faith. We said faith is believing what God says, even though what we see or what we experience may seem to be contrary to what God has said. For example, God might give you a promise which would happen in a future, at a future date, but because at the present moment it is not yet time for it to happen, you may not see it happen. And you may be seeing something that is contrary from what God has told you. But you must believe what God has said, not what you are seeing. Because we, 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 faith is based on what we have heard concerning the word of God, not what we see with our eyes. So where there is a, a conflict between what we have heard from God and what we see with our eyes, faith says we follow what God has said. Faith is trusting God absolutely for our salvation in eternity. You see, our salvation is something that God has spoken to us. Says, if we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if we believe that he's the Savior of mankind, and we make that confession, the Bible says that we are saved. And even though it may not seem that we are saved, because here we are still here, we're still here on the earth, we are assured, we, we believe and we put our trust in him for that eternal salvation, that when we die, we will surely be going to heaven. We will surely be with him in eternity. Faith is our being dependent on God for everything. Everything that we desire from the time we have become born again is by faith that we receive it from God. We said faith is being convinced of the love of God, of the concern of God for us, of his care for us. So that even when things are not going the way we think them to be going, the way we would love them to go, we know that God still loves us. We know that God is still concerned for us. We know that God cares for us. That's why the Bible says that we should cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. We, can, we, can be we are convinced of that. That is faith. We put our trust in God regardless of what is going on. And then we also noted that faith is to rely on God, to lead us, to direct us, even in small decisions, that it is what God says we should do, that is what we will do when it comes to the matter of decision-making. The bottom line we arrived at in our last broadcast is that faith 
always has God as the object and subject of our belief, of our conviction, of our trust, of our dependence, and of our reliance. If my conviction does not have God as the object and subject, my conviction is irrelevant as far as the things of God are concerned. If my reliance or my dependence is not on God or based on the word of God, then my dependence is, 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 is of no use to anybody. Neither is it of to, to me. In this broadcast, what we want to do is to ask or answer the question, why is faith such an important subject to the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? Why is faith so crucial? Why is it so important that we are devoting so much attention to it? And I mean, it doesn't go, it's not too far-fetched. It's just that we have to put faith in its proper perspective, which is what we did in our last broadcast, that faith is based on God. Faith is tied to God and the word of God. It has nothing to do with something that we think of. It's not to do with something that uh, somebody has said that has no basis in scripture. Faith has its base and its basis on the scriptures. So what or why do we need to even look at faith from that perspective of the scriptures? Number one, it is the basis for doing anything in the kingdom of God. Faith is the basis for doing anything in the kingdom of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, we walk by faith, not by sight. So we are led by faith, not by sight. We don't, we don't take a decision based on what we see or based on what we can understand or comprehend. We take our decisions based on what God is saying to us. So we walk by faith, not by sight. In Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Hebrews 11, verse 3. The Bible says, By faith we understand that the walls were framed by the word of God, so that the things which we which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, we come to believe, we come to understand, we come to accept that God spoke the world that we live in today into being. He just spoke from something that does not exist. He did not form anything to bring the world into being. He merely spoke and it was done. This is confirmed and affirmed in Psalm 33. By the way, when we, when, we, when we use the scriptures to uh, decide on anything, the Bible says, at the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So we try as best as we can to establish every statement from the scriptures by at least two or three different scriptures or more. But two is the least, is the minimum. It, because scripture always interprets itself. Scripture always speaks of itself. In Psalm 33, verse 6, the Bible says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. In verse 9, it says, For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. So when we read Genesis chapter 1, and the Bible says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God said, Let the firmaments uh, separate. And God said, Let the waters be divided. And God said, let there be vegetation. 
those statements are statements of what really happened. It's not a euphemism. It's not something that we say, well, you know, they were trying to describe something. No, God spoke. He said, let there be light. And there was light. And darkness immediately receded. And light came to be. That is how we anything that we are doing in the kingdom of God is by believing the word of God. Is by acting upon the word of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'll be reading verse 3 and verse 4. 2 Corinthians verse 10, chapter 10, verse 3 and 4, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We do not engage in warfare with, with physical weapons, with guns and ammunitions and so on. No, we don't. It says in verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they are not physical. They are not things that we see. But they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. The word of God is a mighty weapon. In fact, the Bible describes the word of God as the sword of the spirit. It's a weapon that we use to, to, dis, to discomfiture anything that we need, to, we need to approach. In verse 5, it goes on and says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, to the obedience of Christ. We speak the word of God. And things happen. We make pronouncements. Based on the word of God. Based on the direction of the spirit of God. And these things stand fast. We don't go with guns. We don't go with ammunition. So it is wrong for somebody to say. God told me to shoot you. God told me to kill somebody. No. Because the word of God. Number one we know that. Under the dispensation of the New Testament, we are not given any instruction to kill anyone. Indeed, we are told to love our neighbors. So nobody should come and say that he, he heard a voice telling him to carry a gun and go and kill somebody. That voice is not the voice of God. That is the voice of Satan. Secondly, without faith, we cannot please God. Without faith, we cannot please God. In Hebrews chapter 11... Verse 6, Hebrews 11, verse 6, the Bible says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. It is not that, it's not that you may, it is impossible, absolutely impossible. So you cannot please God if you are not acting out, if you are not living by faith. It says, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that is, that he exists, that there is a God. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That anybody who seeks for God will and finds him, God will reward him with salvation. God will reward him with the fullness of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. The, 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 the apostle Paul wrote, he said, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. God, and you know we are soldiers of the, of the cross, soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has recruited us and brought us out from the world so that we can be soldiers of the cross. Not soldiers carrying arms and ammunitions, but soldiers of the word of God, disciplined men 
who would go where their commander asked them to go. And so we are only pleasing our commander when we disengage from the affairs of this world. And faith is something that we use. Faith is the means by which we please God. By adhering to all that God says we should do, we are pleasing him because we are following exactly his instructions from the word of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, the Bible says, and he, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. We are called to live for God. We are called to live the way he wants us to live, the way he has instructed in his word. When we live like that, we are pleasing to him. But when we live contrary to his word, even though we are excited about it, we are displeasing to him. And if we are displeasing to him, it means that we are not living by faith. We are living the way we want to. And to live the way you want to is, uh, is anathema as far as God is concerned. So firstly, we have said that in the kingdom of God, anything you want to do is by faith. Secondly, you cannot be pleasing to God if you're not living by faith. Thirdly, faith is how we are saved from God's judgment. That is how we come to be saved. In Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, sorry, Ephesians, Philippians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We are saved by grace through faith. Without faith we will not be saved. And so what does God do? God allows us, sends people to preach his word to us. So that by the hearing of faith we can believe. And then we are saved. But even then not many of us, not, nobody can really believe the word of God. So what does God do? God gives us the gift of faith. The initial faith that we all have. Is a gift from him. Because without that gift of faith, we would not believe. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 verse 17, speaking on how we come to, to, to grace, to, to, to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, therefore, in uh, Romans 10, 17, Romans 10, 17, Bible tells us clearly that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So once we, once somebody is preaching the word of God to us, what happens is that faith is given to us as a gift. Such that with that faith, we can believe what is being said. Because ordinarily what is being said would never make sense to you, apart from faith coming in. So it is that faith which you received at that time that brought salvation to you. It is the mercy of God. It is the grace of God. But it came through faith. In Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. I'm reading it says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes. So until God gives you that faith to believe. Even the word of God that you are hearing. Is not going to do, not going to do anything for you. That is why the Lord Jesus said. Except the father draws anybody to me. He cannot come to me. So it is God who gives this gift of faith so that we can believe what is being preached to us. So it is clear that faith is how we are saved. It says for Jews first and also 
for the Greeks. So when the word of God is being spoken, if the gift of faith is not given to an individual, no matter how much you make all the effort of trying to explain and expound, he will not believe it. He will not receive that word. But when the gift of faith is freely given by God, which is itself an act of, of, of grace itself, God will, will enable that person to believe. And you see the person sorrowful for sin, coward, and saying, I want Jesus into my life. Otherwise, he will continue to live as he wants to live. So faith is how we are saved from God's eternal judgment. Fourthly, faith is how those of us who have been saved from God's judgment live on the earth. Having been saved by faith, we must continue to live by faith. If you look at Romans chapter 1, that same one, the next verse, verse 17, it says, For in it, that is in the word of God, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. What does that mean from faith to faith? It says, what it means simply put is that from the start to finish, it is a life of faith. And then it goes on to say that the just shall live by faith. That is the one who has been justified. The one whom God has given the gift of salvation. He will begin to live his life by faith. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. Hebrews 10 verse 38. The Bible brings up that same statement. It says now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back. My soul has no pleasure in him. Those who are justified. Who have been justified through faith. The Bible says you shall live by faith. Now if the person now draws back. Then God says. He's not, he will have no pleasure in the person. And this was the problem of the Galatian churches. The Galatian churches, having believed by faith, now chose not to live by faith. They now chose to continue by law. They wanted to live differently or apart from faith. And God tells us that the just shall live by faith. So Paul writing to them, and I'm going to read from Galatians chapter 3 from verse 1. He says, I'll read to verse 9. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? If your faith, what brought you to salvation, is the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ crucified for sin, then why are you believing other things? Why are you chasing after people who say you should go and bring padlock, you should go and bring sand, you should go and bring salt. You should go and bring pepper. What are you doing? You are no longer living by faith. You have fallen from grace. In verse 2, it says, This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the works of the law? Did you receive the Holy Spirit by going to bring anything? Was it not freely given to you? Or by the hearing of faith? Was it not by hearing of faith that the Spirit of God came? Was there anything that you brought to receive the Holy Spirit? In verse 3, are you so foolish? Haven't begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, all the sufferings that you went through, is it, is it, is it for fun? Was it meaningless? When you suffered, haven't received the word of God, was it not because you believed that you were willing to endure the shame and the suffering? Why is it now? That you are facing one little challenge or another. 
that you are now turning to the element, the beggarly elements that couldn't save you in the first place? How can you be saved by faith? And then you want to live out differently from the same faith that brought salvation to you. In verse 5, it says, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How do you, how do you get a miracle where the word of God and mixed with faith is not involved? Where somebody is just doing some abracadabra something and gives it to you and you say thank you. How, how does that happen? Who has bewitched you that you believe such a thing? I've seen people, long-standing Christians, because of a particular pressing issue, they then change and turn to the beggarly elements and begin to run after people who say they should go and bring sand, bring salt, bring tomatoes, and bring other things. The salvation that came through the Lord Jesus Christ came by the hearing of faith. The Spirit of God that you receive came by the hearing of faith. The working of miracles is by the hearing of faith. In verse 6, it says, Just as Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. That's all Abraham did. He believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. He didn't do more than that. God said, this land, I'm giving it to you. The Bible says Abraham believed God and the Bible says that God accounted that to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. If you, are, if you are not walking by faith, you can think Abraham's blessings are mine. That is falsehood. It doesn't apply to you. It is those who, who, who live by faith that are sons of Abraham. In verse 8 it says, And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. He said, God seen that you and I, Gentiles, not Jews, not of Israel, would also be saved by faith. God told Abraham that in you shall all the nations of the earth be, uh, uh, be, be, be blessed. You are going to be saved through the preaching of the gospel. In verse 9 it says, So then, those who are of faith are blessed with, along with believing Abraham. So it is by faith that we live our lives. We don't, we don't start by faith. And then we say, God, thank you for bringing us by faith. But from now on, here, on, here onwards, we will live as we like. No, you must continue to live by faith. Everything must be by faith. Number five, it is one of the crucial things God looks for in a believer. God is not searching for wealth. God is not searching for possessions. God is not searching for your talent. When God looks at the believer, he's asking the question, is, is there faith in this fellow? In Luke chapter 18, the Lord Jesus told the parable of the, of the widow who was importunate in her prayer, who kept going on and asking this judge who feared neither God nor man, said, give me justice, give me justice. He just kept going. A widow is somebody who is helpless because her husband, has, her strength has died. And in the, in the Bible, most widows either have little children or no children at all. So they are basically helpless and they have people that they must support. And this widow had nobody to run to, to turn to. So she went to the judge. And this judge, after a while, said, look, if I don't give this woman justice, she's going to weary me out. She's going to wear me out. And the Lord Jesus now says, Do you, how much more God, who is, more, who is righteous, who is not like that judge, 
how, how much more do you think he will not speedily give you justice? But then, in verse 8 of Luke chapter 18, the Lord made a very uh, resounding statement in the, in the B part of verse 8. It says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? That's what he's looking for. When he comes, will he find us believing? Will he find us depending on him? Will he find us trusting him? Will he find us relying upon him? Will he find us being convinced, fully persuaded about him? In Romans chapter 1 verse 8, when Paul was writing to the Roman church, this is what he says, At first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. He didn't speak about how many cars were parked in that church. He didn't say they told us that politicians and government officials are members of your church. He didn't say that the people we hear, that the people who are in your church are people of means and capacity. No. He said, your faith is spoken of throughout the world. That is what God is interested in. Your faith. That is what says that indeed these are people of faith. You cannot say you're a person of faith when you don't have faith. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, reading from verse 5 to 9. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 from verse 5 to 9. It's writing to the Thessalonian church. It says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word, the word, that is the word of God, in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. What was speaking for them was their faith towards God. This is what God is looking for. This is what makes us to say, this church is the church of the living God. Because their faith is towards God. Their faith is not towards a man, it's not towards a political party, not towards a, a political system, not towards a nation or a race. Their faith is towards God. It's not towards money, it's not towards wealth, it's not towards what is in a bank account. It's not towards human ability or capacity. It is toward God. In verse 9, it says, For they themselves, this is your faith, declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Because of their faith, they, they dismiss the idols and turn to God. So if a person says he has faith and is still engaged in pouring libation, in village meetings, where nothing is discussed but idolatry. If he engages in idol practices, where then is his faith? Because by his faith, he's supposed to dismiss all form of idolatry. Indeed, in Acts chapter 6 verse 5, when they were choosing the first deacons, the Bible writes concerning Philip that he was a man of faith. He was a man full of faith. Let, let me read it. Acts chapter 6. Verse 5. The apostles had put some criteria on which these deacons should be chosen. But when Stephen was 
was, was mentioned, the first one, it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power. Sorry, uh, verse 5. It says, uh, yes, it says, And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And then he mentions other people. And in verse 8, which I read earlier, it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. It is by faith that he was able to do these things because he was full of faith. That was his qualification. His qualification was not because he was a, 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 an articulate server. No, it was because of his faith in God. In Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2, from verse 1 to verse 12. Mark chapter 2, from verse 1 to verse 12. I won't have time to read all of that. Is the story of a man who was paralytic. He had four friends who came, who helped him. They heard that Jesus was in the house. And so, so many people had gathered and they had blocked the entrance to the house. So when these four friends brought the paralytic and they discovered that there was no way to enter, they went up to the roof and tore the roof, roof apart and lowered their friend so that he would, he would be landing right in front of Jesus. Now, the Bible says in verse 5, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. The healing took place. What was it that triggered the Lord to act on behalf of the paralytic? It was the faith of his friends. How do we know that they had faith? When they didn't see access through the doorway, they could have gone back. But because they believed that if this, if this fellow was in front of Jesus, he will be healed. They tore the roof and did that. And the Lord saw what they believed in. He saw that they believed in him. And they wanted it done that way. That was why they were not going to return. They did everything for that to happen. God always notices acts of faith. God always notices when we, when we through faith, take actions that show that I am depending on God on this matter. When we are told of how difficult this thing will be and we are not making calls on who to help us, but we turn to God in prayer and say, Lord, we are trusting you on this matter. You will see how the Almighty will come speedily and show himself strong in your, in your behalf. The Bible says concerning God that his eyes are running to and fro the whole earth looking for those whose hearts are right before him. Those who are going to act out their lives by faith. Because the Bible says, without faith it's impossible to please God. So when he sees faith, he sees people who are pleasing him. He goes and says, who is this fellow that is trusting me so much? And is not looking, any other, any, 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 looking at any other thing, but looking unto me. And then you find God coming to help you. No wonder in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. All who look unto him shall not be disappointed. All who put their trust in him shall not be ashamed because he will come speedily and he will help. Number six, if it is not from faith, it is sin. That's Romans chapter 14 verse 23, the B part. Here I was talking about food. That was the food that people eat. And there was this controversy about should we eat food that is sacrificed to idols? And he said, no, don't eat it. 
if 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 somebody if somebody offers you food and does not tell you what the food is, where the food is from, or anything, eat it. Don't ask any questions. But if you ask questions and say where is this food from, and they tell you, and your conscience, your conviction does not agree that that food should be eaten, then please leave it aside. And so he concludes by saying, whether you eat or you don't eat, if the basis on which your decision is made is not from faith, then it is sin. The Amplified puts it this way. It says, whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin. Whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin. It gives an explanation for that. It says, whatever is done without a conviction of its approval by God is sinful. So the question is, when you want to do something, is it something that God approves of? Are you convinced that God has approved of this thing? Then do it. But if you are not convinced that God has approved of it and you do it, then it is a sinful act that you have done. So it is important that we understand these aspects of faith. Otherwise, we will, we will be living in sin and be thinking that we are serving God. I want to go over what we have discussed so far. Number one, we said faith. The reason why we are looking at faith is because it is the basis for doing anything in the kingdom of God. Secondly, we said that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Thirdly, we said that it is how we are saved from eternal judgment, from the judgment of God. Fourthly, we said it is how those of us who have been saved from God's judgment live here on the earth. We live by faith. The judge shall live by faith. Fifthly, we said that it is the crucial thing that God is looking for. He said, when the, when the Son of Man shall return to the earth, will he find faith? He saw the, the, the four friends of the paralytic and looked up and saw that they had faith and he healed their friend. Sixthly, if anything that your decision making, anything that you are doing, if it does not originate from faith, if, if you are not convinced that God has approved for you to do that thing and you go ahead and do it, it is sin. If God has approved and you are not, and you are not working in that approval, it is also sin. Number seven, faith is how we obtain things in the kingdom. In fact, somebody has remarked that faith is the currency of the kingdom. That's how we get things. We don't, we don't obtain things in the kingdom by money, which is the fallacy that those, those false preachers have been saying, that you need to give money in order to obtain something in the kingdom. You don't need to give money to obtain anything in the kingdom. To obtain anything in the kingdom is by faith. If faith requires you to pay or to, to give some money for something, no problem as long as it is an act of faith. But if you are giving money because somebody told you that it is money and because you are looking for extra money or you are looking for a miracle or something and you believe that money is going to do it, then it is not faith. And to you it is a sin. The way to obtain things in the kingdom is by faith. In Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8 from verse 5 to 13, the Bible speaks of a centurion who came to the Lord Jesus Christ and asked that his servant be healed. And the Lord Jesus said, okay, let me follow you. He said, no, don't follow me. You don't need to come to me. I am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. And I said to this soldier, go and do this. He goes. I said to the next soldier, go and do that. He goes. Why? Because I myself am under the authority of Caesar. They, 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 they respond to me because I'm under the authority of Caesar. He says, what I'm asking you to do is under the authority of God and you are under the authority of God. And so when you ask that sickness to go, it will flee. The Lord Jesus marveled and said, wow, I have never seen such great faith. No, 
Not anywhere in Israel. Not even amongst those who say they are born again. He said, man, go. Your, 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 your servant is healed. And the Bible noted that that very hour, his servant was healed. What of in Matthew chapter 15, verse 22 to 28? I'm not reading them, so please, I'd like you to go and read. Because I'm trying to uh, uh, push for time. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 22 to 28. The Bible speaks of a Syrophoenician woman, another Gentile, who had not yet received salvation. Her daughter was tormented by a demon, and she went to the Lord and was crying. He didn't respond. Then she began to worship. He still did not respond. Eventually, she, he said to her, Look, I cannot give the, what is uh, meant for the children of the kingdom to you, who is not a child. In fact, she, he called her a dog. Duman didn't get angry. Duman said, it is true that I'm a dog. But even dogs, they eat crumbs from the table of their masters. He said, wow, what faith. This woman was saying, I'm not asking for bread. Just give me crumbs and I'll be okay. The Lord Jesus said, said to her, go. The daughter is here. And the woman left. If you notice in these two cases that I mentioned, that they believed him. When he said go, they went. Today, when you tell a believer who says he wants he or she wants something from God, and you say, go, God has done it. They say, no, sir. No, sir. You have to follow me to the place. No, sir. You did not pray. No, sir. You did not lay hands. It, there is no faith in them. That is why things are not happening. You want to obtain something in, this, in, this, in, the, in, the, in the kingdom, it is by faith. There's a, there, there, are, there are two classical examples. And I, I don't know if we'll have time to read them. The first one is in Mark chapter 5. A, a, a fellow called Jairus a ruler of, this, of, of one of the synagogues, came to the Lord Jesus Christ from verse 21 to 42 and told him that my daughter is seriously ill. In fact, she's at the point of death. Please come and heal her. And so he arose and began to go. But on the way, as he was going, there was a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. This woman has been menstruating nonstop for 12 years. She had gone to doctors and instead of getting better, she grew worse. And even lost all her money. Paying physicians. And then the woman began to say to herself. Let, let me read from verse. Let me read from verse 27. Of Mark chapter 5. It says when she heard about Jesus. Notice she heard about Jesus. She did it. She just heard that this man can do. Can deal with any situation. She had never heard that he stopped such a, such a thing before. But she heard about him. And his abilities and what he could do. In verse 27, the Bible says, When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She believed that I don't need to even meet this man face to face. If I can just touch his clothes, that I'll be made well. And she was. She touched his clothes. And the Bible says in verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And then Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Can you imagine a crowd thronging you and you are wondering who touched me? Of course, there are so many people around. You cannot differentiate who is touching you or who is not touching you. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened in, to her, came and fell down before him 
and told her, and told him rather, the whole truth. Truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. This woman believed Jesus and said, I don't need to see him. I just need to touch his garments. So even though the Lord Jesus was not aware, this woman received the healing. Because she believed. And she was the healing. Now, whilst this was going on, some servants came to meet Jairus and told him, they said, don't bother the, 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 the master because your daughter has died. In fact, we just came to tell you that don't bother him. Your daughter has died. Whilst all that was going on, the Lord Jesus heard them say, let me, let me read verse 30, uh, verse 36. He says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, let me read from 35. He says, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Just believe. Don't fret. Don't be in despair. Only believe. And we know that at the end of it all, Jairus received his daughter whole again. Because the Lord Jesus raised her from the dead. On what basis was that? Only believe. That is the word that God is saying to us today as believers. Because that, that's, that statement that we are believers tells us that we need faith. Only believe. Nothing more than that. Only believe. That's how we obtain things in the kingdom of God. That's the currency of the kingdom. Faith. In Mark chapter 9, verse 14 to 29, there was a man who had come to meet with the Lord, who had come to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he didn't see him, so he went to his disciples who were there at the time. His son was suffering from epilepsy, a very dangerous type of epilepsy that would throw the guy into fire or throw him into something, wanting to kill him. It was basically a demonic oppression, wanting to kill this boy. But it manifested itself as epilepsy. And so the, 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 the boy's father took the boy to the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. They tried everything, but nothing was happening. And then the Lord Jesus came and saw, you know, things happening. And I was wondering, what, what, what's all this confusion going on? Why, why is everything? And the man said, I brought my son to your, son, to your disciples to heal. But they could not. And the Lord Jesus said, what kind of people are these? How far along will I be with you that you cannot do a simple thing as healing this boy? So, after a few, a few things, in verse 22, um, the boy's father was speaking, telling the Lord Jesus Christ about the case of the boy. He says, and often he has thrown him, that this demon has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything. <laughs> There's a problem here with that statement. That man was not sure of the ability of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith believes in the ability of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith does not question the ability of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 23, the Lord Jesus Christ said to the man, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. It has nothing to do with him. But if you can believe. And that's what that, that the, 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 the woman with the issue of blood did. She believed. And the impossible became possible to her. Why are we teaching faith? So that you can understand that the means by which you obtain things is by faith. Even after you have prayed, you still need faith. 
You don't just pray an empty prayer and then say, I've prayed. You still need to believe. Which brings me to the last point I want to make on why we are speaking so much about faith. It is the prayer of faith that heals, not oil. It's not, it's not anointing oil. It is the prayer of faith. It is not a prayer of faith. If it is not a prayer of faith, rather, it is a placebo. Placebo is that um, is, is something that they, they, there was this experiment they made some, some time back. People who were, not, who were not ill, but who felt they were ill, they just gave them a drug, which was nothing. It, it had no curative power, had nothing. It was just like giving them ordinary powder that would not harm them. And once they took it, they, they, felt, they felt well. But there was nothing there. So it is just a, a, a placebo is something that deals with a psychological effect rather than the medical or the real condition that that fellow is going through. So if it is not a prayer of faith and you say you are healed, it's a placebo effect. When the psychology of it wears out on you, you are going to feel ill again. So you need the prayer of faith. In James chapter 5, James chapter 5, James chapter 5, verse 14 to verse 18. James 5, 14 to 18 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Note what he says in verse 15. He says, And the prayer of faith will save the sick. He didn't say, And the anointing oil, or the oil that was placed on him will heal the sick. When he, when he says put oil on him, or anoint him with oil, he's talking about if you have a boil, for example, we have prayed over the boil, you can rub an ointment on it. That's basically what it is. But people are giving different meanings to these things and carrying oil all over the place and believing that with oil they will get things done. No! It is the prayer of faith. In Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11, from verse 20 to verse 26. Mark chapter 11, from verse 20 to verse 26. The Lord Jesus, the day before this particular incident we're about to read on, had been walking by, was hungry. He saw a fig tree with leaves. He got there and discovered that there were no figs there, and he cursed the tree. He said, no man will eat of you. And then they left. The following day, and I'm reading it from verse 20 now. It says, now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, to them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Put your trust in God. Believe God. Be convinced about who God is. Be convinced about the ability of God. Be convinced that God can do anything. Be, be convinced that God can do the impossible. The Bible says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt, please note that, in his heart, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. It's a prayer of faith. We're not doubting. What happens most times is that when we have prayed, after we have prayed, then Satan comes and begins to throw doubts, the darts of doubts into, onto us. And because many of us will not lift up the shield of faith to defend against those doubts, we are struck by them. And we begin to replay those doubts in our hearts and say, it's true. Is it possible? Did I pray Did I pray long enough? Did this man lay hands on me? Did he use oil? 
And those doubts entering in choke out the word of God. In verse 24, it says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Just believe. Like he told Jairus, only believe. Don't entertain doubt. If, if God will give us permission, maybe at some point in time, we'll speak about faith killers. Doubt is one of them, a major faith killer. But he added something in verse 25 and verse 26. He says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. What's he saying here? In addition to faith. Another aspect of it is if you say you believe God, then you should also believe that you are supposed to forgive those who have offended you. So he's saying when you stand praying with all your faith, you must make sure that there's no unforgiveness in your life. As long as there's no unforgiveness in your life, God will help you. And you will see the prayer being answered. It is the prayer of faith that heals the sick. It is the prayer of faith that brings about a miracle. It's the prayer of faith that helps us in the kingdom of God. So faith is so crucial that in its absence, even the salvation we claim will be nothing but a placebo. It will just be something to make us feel that everything is okay when nothing is really okay. So, so far we've seen the reasons, some of the important reasons why the subject of faith is so crucial. We've said, number one, it is the basis for doing anything in the kingdom of God. Number two, without faith, we cannot please God. Number three, it is how we are saved. Number four, it is how we live after we have been saved. Number five, it is what God is looking for in a believer or in anyone who is coming to him. Excuse me. Number six, if it is not originating from faith, if it is not based on our conviction on God's approval, it is sin. It is not faith. Number seven, it is how we obtain things in the kingdom of God or it is the currency of the kingdom. And number eight, it is the prayer of faith, not just ordinary prayer, but the prayer of faith that brings about healing. It's the prayer of faith that brings about a miracle. It's the prayer of faith that makes the impossible to be possible. Not just ordinary prayers. There are people who are, whose prayers are out of fear. When something has happened and fear has caught them, they begin to shout, Jesus, 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 Jesus. But it's out of fear. There's no faith in that kind of, in that kind of prayer. I'm going to close by reading the scripture in James chapter 2, verse 14 to 27. James chapter 2, verse 14 to 27. I'm going to try and be as fast as I can in reading it and then just try and explain it uh, as best as I can because of time. <clears throat> James chapter 2, 14 to 26. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of food, of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Somebody has come to you and is complaining of hunger. If you don't have, that's a different case. But you have something to give him. I say, bro, the Lord fill you with all that you desire. And then you ask him to go. When you have the food to give him, what kind of prayer of faith is that? That's not the prayer of faith. 
they are being wicked because you have the ability to help him and you are just praying. The fellow was the fellow has come to you, or God has directed him by the spirit of by his spirit to come to you because you have the means. If you don't have the means, that's a different matter, but you have the means. In verse 17, it says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. There's an argument that James is going on with here. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. What is he saying? Faith has works attached with it. I cannot make a claim with my mouth, with my, from my lips and not act accordingly. So faith is actually a verb. It's an active word. Faith is not passive. It's active. In verse 19, he says, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. The demons believe that there is one God. They tremble about as to that God. But they cannot be saved because of, the, because of what has happened to them. They can't be saved. Now, you believe that there is one God, but you don't even tremble. So where is your faith? The demons even have that kind of faith. It's just they cannot be saved. In verse 20, it says, But do you, know, do, do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect? God told him to go and sacrifice Isaac. He didn't argue, he went. That was his act of faith. He believed God could raise him and still went ahead to kill him. In fact, the Bible says that as far as Abraham was concerned in his heart, Isaac was a dead man. So when God told him not to kill Isaac, it was as though he was, he was, he was resurrected back onto him. But the one I want us to focus on, uh, okay, let me just do verse 23. It says, and the scripture was fulfilled, which is Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. 25 and 26 is crucial. It says, likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? What is happening here? Some spies came to spy out Jericho. And when they wanted to arrest, have them arrested, Rahab, a prostitute, hid them. And after the soldiers had left, Rahab told them what to do. And then said, but lie down here. But before um, she left, she told them, I want to extract a promise from you. I know, she said, I know. In fact, fear is on all of us. We know that your God is God indeed. We know that your God has given you this city. We know it. I know it. I believe it. So promise me one thing, that when you come, you will save me and my family. And the spy said to her, no problem. Put this scarf tied by the window. Anybody who is inside this building when we come will be saved. And Rahab got her family into that building and they were saved. Why? She believed and she acted accordingly. You cannot say you believe and you will not act on what you believe. Then you have no faith because your faith is dead. In verse 26 it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So if you say you have faith, the question is, where is the work of the faith? Where is the works? Where is the action of your faith? The true import, the true impact, and the true significance of the teaching of faith is in the application of faith as we live here on the earth. By the grace of God, if God permits, maybe in the next broadcast we'll look at it. We'll look at the application of faith. Otherwise, we'll probably look at the, the, the things that kill faith. I don't know how the Lord will direct us. But for now, I want to challenge you. 
to begin to live by faith, to begin to live by hearing the word of God and acting upon the word of God for anything that you desire. If you are a part of the kingdom of God and if you are not a part of the kingdom of God, my prayer is that God will give you the gift of faith. That as you hear his word, particularly this word, you will receive faith, that gift, and you will be saved. Because the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, Savior of mankind, that he died for your own sins, and you make that confession with your mouth, that is your action of faith, you shall be saved. You cannot just believe and not make the declaration. So when you believe and you make that declaration, then your faith is genuine. And then you will see God coming to give you the free gift of salvation. And you will know that because there will be joy in your heart. There will be peace. And you will know that you have been saved because you will hate the sins that you committed. And you will begin to love righteousness. And until we meet again, I say to you, God bless you.